I don't know about you guys, but I really had a hard time thinking about the most interesting thing I saw this week. Maybe the presidential debate, or non-debates, whatever they were <laughs> this week. I don't know what you want to call them. The presidential side-by-side chit-chats, I don't know, with reporters. But that was pretty interesting. There was a lot of interesting things that happened there this week, but we won't get into that because, you know, politics. Anyways, um, so, glad, so glad you guys are here today. Welcome. It's so good to see your faces. I love being here with you guys. For those of you who don't know me, I know everyone here knows me, but if you're online and you're watching and you don't know me, um, my name is Natalie, and it's one of my favorite things to do is just to get to share with you everything that God's teaching me. And I don't know about you, but God has been teaching me so much through this series. And um, <clears throat> this series is called Hello, My Name is Jesus. And what we're basically doing is just diving into who Jesus really was. We're going just diving right into Luke. And we're literally going line by line, seeing what Jesus actually said and what he actually did and how it applied to people then and what it means for us today. And so that has been so honestly life-changing for me. Some of the stuff that I'm reading, I'm like, wow, it could not even be better timed for what we're going through even today. And I think what actually I wanted to talk about today is just so timely. I was even, I'll get into it later, but I was even studying something that related to this before I even knew I was going to be speaking on this a few weeks ago. And so I just really believe that God has a very specific word today that he wants to speak to each and every one of you. And if if I could just take one second and say, um, if you have a notebook, take out your notebook and take some notes. If you're at home, run and go grab a notebook. The reason why is not so you can take down all my fabulous words, but it's so that I believe actually every time I hear someone speak, God ends up saying something to me that may or may not have to do with that sermon, but it was specifically something for me. And every time that, you know, I'm listening to a sermon, I end up writing down, taking notes, God telling me something, taking me sometimes even off on a totally different path, but it's meant for me in that moment. And so if I can just encourage you to start taking notes, if you don't already take notes, I think that's going to be life-changing for you. You can look back on it later and God will speak to you again and again and again from different things. Uh, messages that we share here. So take some notes if you have them with you. If not, we're going to go ahead and jump in. Let me just catch you up really fast. So last week, Pastor Taka um, spoke about how Jesus had been talking to a crowd, and he just got done explaining to them that he is a prophet of God, well, the son of God, with a really important message. But because of who he was and because of what he did, he was really divisive. And so at this point, people are trying to figure out who on earth gave this man the authority to speak so bluntly. And uh, we've been kind of seeing that Jesus is uh, pretty savage, actually. He's not this, like, fluffy dude and with, like, fluffy hair with the white robes, like, just floating around that people picture him as. He was pretty savage. And we're going to see that when we jump into this um, verse. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them with me. If not, don't worry. We're going to put them on the screen. We're going to put the verses up there. But we are starting in Luke verses 11, 33 through 53. And I'm reading out of the voice translation. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in and just get started. So here's what, here's what he says. You need a light to see. Only an idiot would light a lamp and then put it beneath the floor or under a bucket. No. Any intelligent person would put the lamp on a table so everyone who comes in the house can see. Listen, your eye, your outlook, the way you see is your lamp. If your way of seeing is functioning well, then your whole life will be enlightened. But if your way of seeing is darkened, then your life will be a dark, dark place. So be careful, people. 
because your light may be malfunctioning. If your outlook is good, then your whole life will be bright with no shadowy corners, as when a radiant lamp brightens your home. So as I said, Jesus is a little bit savage. <laughs> but how many of you, when we started reading that, um, remembered that song that maybe you used to sing when you were a little kid? I, If you went to Sunday school as a little kid, we used to sing this song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, this seems like a lot more savage than that little <laughs> song, right? Jesus is like basically saying, only an idiot would put that lamp <laughs> underneath a bucket, right? Stronger words in this translation, but honestly, he's saying there's a lot more to this than just shining bright, but that is a part of it. So we're going to start there. So the first thought is, yes, put your lamp out. So today, everyone is putting their lamps out there for everyone else to see, right? I, I feel like everywhere I go, people are wanting to share their opinions, you know that old adage of don't talk about politics and religion. Okay, the, that adage is gone out the window. I don't know about you guys, but everybody wants to share their opinions. There are so many opinions, 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 opinions. Every time you open up social media, it's like opinions, opinions, opinions everywhere. And what Jesus is saying here, I mean, he's just saying, careful about your opinions. Make sure that your outlook is actually right, because it's what you it's what you take in, and what you give out that shows how much light is in your life. So um, one thing I can say is I see no shortage of Christians sharing their political opinions. But the thing that I'm actually not seeing that much is Christians sharing their faith online. And yes, there are people who are social media influencers who I see that do this all the time. But then there are just your run-of-the-mill Christians who I very it's very rare that I see them sharing their faith. But I think we should be having loving discussions about our politics and hold our, our um, government accountable for injustices. But if God has truly changed your life, you would not be able to hide how your faith impacts your views, even if you tried. Your views actually should not be a surprise to anyone because they'll already know what your views are by your actions and the things that you're doing every day, the causes that you support, the people that you, the way you treat people, right? And in fact, here, Jesus is saying, let your faith shine for all to see. We should be shining examples of extravagant hope and grace and love. And oh my gosh, who does not need that right now? There are so many people out there who are just looking for something. There's so many people that everyone, you get a million things coming in your feed every day. And people are looking for something to fill that void in their heart. They're looking for some kind of hope. So why would we hide that freedom and that love that we have received? I mean, think about what light really does. It illuminates people's lives. It brings a brightness and a lightness into their life. It helps guide them. It helps us to see clearly, especially in really dark times, especially in times of anxiety and darkness where it just doesn't feel like there's very much hope. We need to be shining our lights really, really brightly right now. We need to be giving people that mercy and love and grace and telling them about this amazing sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. But unfortunately, I think what I'm seeing a lot more from believers right now is a lot of judgment, a lot of condemnation, a lot of shaming, a lot of rule covering or rule following 
as a cover for self-righteousness, fear-mongering, pride, and personal gain. I mean, just look at social media. You'll see it. And I'm picking on social media right now because we're all isolated for the most part. We're not, we're not together with very many people. So where is our social life? It's on social media. So what does your social media have to say right now about Jesus? If people were to look at your page, would they know more? Would they have hope? Would they have life? Would they be having light guiding them? Would they be having something taking that darkness away from them? And if it's not on social media, if you're at work and you're talking to people, do they come to you? when they're going through a hard time, they should be coming to us because they see how much hope that we have, how much life that we have. And we have to be careful that as God's light bearers, we're sharing the accurate gospel of who he really is. Otherwise, we could be creating that shadow that it talked about in there. We could be creating a shadow on Christ's love. So yes, we need to be sharing God's truth with people, but that has to be coupled with his love. See, truth without love is mean, but love without truth is insincere. So whenever I think about this verse, I think of these sunglasses. And so it talked about the light coming in, right? So what comes in, right? So I know these are a little ridiculous, but every time I think of this verse, I think of these glasses because there's sometimes so many things in our life that could be blocking the light of Jesus from our life. If it comes into our eyes, it's what we put in, then what is blocking us? Are there certain things in our life that are holding people back, holding us back from being able to shine as bright as we can? We need Jesus to clear out that blockage. It's not just telling people about how you see the world. It's about allowing God to clear away those dark shadows that might be blocking our light. See, if you're not seeing things right through the truth in Christ, you can bring darkness and shadows into people's lives. And I love, um, I'll take these off. I'll put them back in a little bit. I know you guys really love these. They're, they're pretty cute. But I'll come back to those later. I love how the, pa- the Passion Translation says this. Don't mistake your opinions for revelation light. I'm going to say it again. Don't mistake your opinions for revelation light because we can easily confuse sharing the gospel of Christ with sharing the gospel of our worldview. You have to be really careful about that because our experience is not ultimate truth. It's just our experience. It's our one little slice of the world. And so we have to be very careful that, you know, each one of these little lines are things that block us, that maybe are forming our worldview, that are keeping us from showing off Christ's worldview to people. So I know some of these little things could be, I don't know, maybe your upbringing. Maybe one of these is your past. Maybe one of these is something you've been hiding from people. Maybe this is something that, um, your politics, right? There could be a million and one things shading your worldview from being what Christ's worldview is. So I want to ask you, what are you allowing to form your worldview? Are you allowing social media to form that? Are you allowing public opinion to form that? Are you allowing your friendships to form that? Are you allowing um, your upbringing, your traditions, your history, all of that? What forms your worldview? Because Jesus is saying, I need you to use 
the word of God to form your worldview. What goes into you is very, very important. So what is getting through to your eyes most? Are your glasses cleared off from all that stuff? Or are there a bunch of things blocking your vision? We need to be connecting with God first, not consulting books or TV shows or news channels, and just having a little bit of Jesus on the side. Just coming, coming on Sunday and get a little bit of Jesus on the side. We need to be having Jesus infiltrate our life. We need to be getting the word in us every day. We need to be allowing him to shape our worldview and take off the things that are not from him. So are we connecting with God first or are we letting other things form our view? I think um, when he talks about shadowy corners, that's something I want to camp on for just a moment because... Like I said, there are shadowy corners, I think, in each of our lives. And sometimes um, I believe that we let those shadowy corners stay there on purpose. And the reason that I think we let those things stay there is, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with fear. Fear loves to keep us hiding. We like to hide behind these things that we think are going to give us security. But in actuality, we're hiding behind bars that are keeping us back from becoming who God really called us to be. It's, it's keeping us locked up in a prison that's just not even reality. Fear is a liar. <laughs> but I think fear can also be honestly very strong for some of us. We're afraid to let God clear those things away because maybe I think the first thing is I think we're afraid of what we'll find and I think we're afa- afraid of what God will find. So let's just talk about what being afraid of what we will find. I think some of us don't want God to to clear out those shadowy things because um, we don't want to face into maybe how we've hurt other people in our past, or we don't we don't want to change. Maybe we're like really comfortable, and like I just really don't. I'm just, I just really like what I think. I really like who I am. I don't. I just don't want to change. I'm good. And God's like, I have something better for you if you would let me clear away those things. You don't know what you're hiding behind is keeping you locked up. I have something better. I have freedom for you. And, you know, honestly, some of us have had these, like, residual patterns of self-destruction, and we we cannot figure it out why. Um, You know, we've had, like, relationship after relationship after relationship fail. We can't seem to keep friendships, or we sabotage our own futures. We can never get ahead in our our life. Um, You know, we can't move past some past pains. We keep getting stuck in the same things. And, and why wouldn't we want Jesus to come in and uncover those things for us? I think we need to move past that fear and say, God, I want you to come into those shadowy places in my life. I want to come into those shadowy places in my life and uncover the things that I've been hiding behind. Whatever that fear is that's been keeping me back. I think some of us have even maybe founded our identity on some of those blockages that are keeping us hidden. Some of us are going, I can't change that, God. Like the world thinks that this is who I am. But the truth is the word of God says that we should be completely transformed by the renewing of our minds. The only way we do that is by getting into God's word and letting him uncover those places that have been blocking our view from what the truth is. I think some of us are afraid of what God will find if we let him in. I think some of us are afraid that if we let God in, he won't handle us gently. We're afraid that 
Maybe he'll punish us. Maybe even we're afraid that he will shame us because of things in our past. And maybe some of us are even feeling like, I don't want to let God in there because there's so much pain in there. I don't know if he can handle my pain. I don't know if he can handle the hurt that is hiding back there, that I'm hiding behind. But the truth is, fear never tells you the truth. Fear never tells you the truth. Fear always lies to us. Fear's goal is to keep us locked up behind bars. Its, it's goal is to keep, like, double entendre, right? I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but double meaning. It's meant to keep us from the truth and meant to keep us from freedom. In 1 John 4, 8, I want to I debunk a little bit, especially the one that says, um, or especially the idea that God will punish us. And I think a lot of us hold on to that fear that God would punish us if for some reason he knew who we really were. But I want to go to 1 John 4, 18, and it says this. Christ's love will never invoke fear. Perfect love expels fear, particularly the fear of punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been completed through love. And that's not meant to be a slam. That's meant to be an encouragement. It's supposed to say, do you know that there is more? That my love has more for you? You don't have to fear punishment. And honestly, um, if I can be, you know, real with you guys, just in the last, like, couple of months, sorry, hair's in my face here, guys. If I can be real with you, the last couple of months, I have had um, a lot of worries in my own future, about my own future. I was nursing some wounds from my past, and I honestly, I was like, God, I just don't even have the energy to, like, let you into those places. I kind of just want to be mad about it right now. <laughs> have you ever been there where you're like, I just kind of want to be mad about this right now. I just really don't want you to go there with me. I, I need to, for some reason, I feel like I need to hold on to this and nurse it for some reason. And I was holding on to these worries about the future and being like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. <laughs> Will God come through for me? Is, you know, and letting myself get wrapped up more in those fears than I was in the truth of God. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, I know I'm in a bad place right now. So I know that means I need to get in the word. And I need to start meditating on what the word says. And that's what brought me to that verse about, hey, there's no fear in God's perfect love. You don't need to fear punishment. He's not going to punish you. He wants good for you. And the reason I came across that is because as I was reading that verse, I also remembered another verse that says, God disciplines those he loves. And I remember going, wait, so God doesn't punish, but he disciplines. Wait, what's the difference between punishment and discipline? And I don't know why this never dawned on me. Maybe you guys already knew this, and this is not new information for you. But this was new information for me, the difference between punishment and discipline. And I went back and I studied the root words of those two different verses, punishment and discipline, and I looked up where they used those words in other parts of the Bible and what they were expressing in those parts of the Bible. And what it came out to was the root word of punishment meant pain with the purpose to shame, judge, humiliate, or separate. And so I love that this verse is saying God does not punish. 
He does not want to punish you. He has a perfect love. He wants good for you. And after that, I went and I looked up what the discipline meant. And it said, discipline is a temporary pain intended to bring growth, improvement, and strengthening. So what does that tell us about who our father is? It tells us a lot about his character, right? He's not a God who's going, you did wrong, going straight to hell, <laughs> right? He's going, okay, let's, that, was, that was a little painful, right? But you know what? Let's bring some growth and improvement and some strength into your life. I want to make you stronger. I will repurpose every single thing in your life for good. That's what the Bible says. He says, I will repurpose every bad thing and turn it around for your good. That's the kind of God that we serve. He wants to strengthen you, encourage you, lift you up. And sometimes what fear wants to do is keep you from that. It wants to keep you hiding in judgment and shame. But God is saying, no, no, I don't want that for you. I want you to be perfected in my love. I want you to feel that I love you, that I want to grow you and strengthen you. So that was a for real parenting moment for me when I was like, oh, man, how many times have I punished my kids versus disciplined my kids? But it was also a parent-head moment for me when I understood the love of God and the kind of father that he is in that moment. And, you know, God doesn't always just discipline us in those shadowy places. Sometimes in those shadowy places, we're not needing to be disciplined. But what we are needing to know is who is God in those other moments for us. Well, the Bible says that he is our healer, our comforter, our provider, our savior, and our father. So if we have any ideas that God is anything other than good, it's not from him. That's fear, lying to you and trying to keep shadowy places in your heart. So guys, we have, no, we have nothing to fear in letting God into those places. He can be trusted with our pain, he can be trusted with our fears, with our doubts, with our innermost thoughts. He can be trusted with our sin, even with our sin. He can be trusted in that moment where we can honestly come before him and say, I messed up. And we can know that he's not going to judge us. He's, not, he's going to discipline us and help us grow. Always get better. So let's let him remove those blockages so we can see properly when we study his word. So next we're going to move on. I want to move on uh, to verse 37. Here's what he says. A Pharisee interrupted his speech with an invitation to dinner, and Jesus accepted the invitation and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was offended that Jesus didn't perform a ceremonial hand washing before eating, something Pharisees were fastidious about doing. So Jesus said, you Pharisees are a walking contradiction. You're so concerned about external things, like someone who washes the outside of a cup and bowl but never cleans the inside, which is what counts. Beneath your fastidious exterior is a mess of extortion and filth. You guys don't get it. Did the potter make the outside but not the inside too? If you were full of goodness within, you could overflow with generosity from within. And if you did that, everything would be clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees. Judgment will come on you. You are fastidious about tithing and keeping account of every little leaf and mint and herb, but you neglect what really matters, the justice and the love of God. If you'd get straight on what really matters, 
then your fastidious about little things would be worth something. And we're going to skip forward a little bit to verse 46 just for time's sake. And Jesus then moves on speaking to the scholars. And he said, well, now that you mention it, watch out, you religious scholars, because judgment will come for you too. You load other people down with unbearable burdens of rules and regulations, but you don't lift a finger to help others. Like I said, Jesus is a savage, right? He does not pull the punches. Can you imagine sitting at the dinner table and someone is like, judgment's coming for you, bro. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine how interesting that dinner conversation was? Wow. But I love how he just called them straight out on what, he, what really matters, justice and love. Justice and love, justice and love. Why are you putting people with more rules but not lifting a finger to help them? And I love this because he said, well, I'll just explain for a second. These guys really, really loved rules. In fact, God gave them the Ten Commandments, but they decided that they loved rules so much that they added 603 more <laughs> to their, of their own rules and regulations for people to follow. 603. Guys, that's crazy. Nobody can live up to that. Who can live up to 603 rules? I don't even remember half of the rules like driving on the road. I'm sure I break like five of them every time I get in the car, <laughs> right? Don't act like you don't speed. I know you do. Anyways, but anyways, they had totally missed the point. They were in love with their rules, but the rules are not the point. The heart behind the Ten Commandments was always to get people to observe how to act in love for one another. It wasn't to just have rules for rules sake. It was so that they could learn how to respect each other, so they could learn how to take care of each other. And when we weren't doing that, the, the, always the goal was to lead them to repentance for not acting in love. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually show you a little bit of an example of these guys who wanted to um, love on their rules, and they wanted to love on... Actually, it was the Pharisees who loved the rules, but then it was also the, um, what is their name? The Pharisees and the scholars. I wanted to get it right. The scholars who loved talking about the Bible, but it actually didn't set in for them. So I want to give you a little example of what happens. So this is, this is God's word. This is our heart. Gotta love all these cute little examples, right? So, the Pharisees and these scholars were filling up their hearts with rules, regulations, actually quite a bit of pride because they loved showing off in public. They wanted everyone to know how much they tithed. They wanted to let everybody know how good they were and how awesome they were. The, and then the scholars, they wanted to let everybody know the rules, and they wanted to know everyone know how smart they were. So they're just filling their hearts with all this junk, right? Loading down people with more things to think about, giving them more, not helping them at all. I mean, come on, they're religious leaders, right? So they're just, their hearts are just full of this junk, and Jesus is totally calling them on it, right? And Jesus is saying, look, you cannot serve out of a dirty heart. Now, I love this because he, I love that he uses the example of dirty dishes because dishes are obviously used to serve food. And these guys were supposed to be religious people serving up God's spiritual food, right? But when we're not serving up food 
spiritual food from a clean heart, guess what? You're serving up something that nobody's going to want to take, right? So, I mean, does anybody want some of this? You want some? Oh, hang on. Here we go. Does anyone want any of this red juice? Well, it doesn't want to go into my cup, but you can see it, can't you? Who wants some? Ketchup water? Anybody? Looks super yummy, right? No, nobody's going to want to take what you're serving up. If your heart isn't clean, people can see right through that. They can see your junk. They don't care about the rules. They don't care about all the good things that you do in public. If your attitude sucks, if your heart sucks, if you're full of pride. Sorry, I said the word sucks. Um, nobody wants that, right? See, these guys had let all kinds of junk build up, and they were way more into rules than they were over repentance. Have you ever seen someone, oh, actually, even good works can be corrupt if the heart behind it is not clean, right? And even putting the word of God in us won't clean our hearts that if there's not sincere repentance. If there's not sincere repentance. You know what it becomes when we just become scholars and we just, be, we just know a lot of stuff, but we don't have repentance in our heart, we don't have a clean heart? You know what that becomes? Pharisees, right? It's just dirty water. We become prideful. That's what it turns into is just spiritual pride. And who wants that? I'm, I've seen enough of that online lately where people are flaunting all of their spiritual pride all over the place, but nobody wants to take that up. People are like, I don't want to become a Christian if I want to be like you. I don't want to be like that. I want to be someone who's, who's full of love, but I don't see that in you. I, all I see is that. I don't want to take that. And I love that um, I, every time I think about that, I think of Psalm 51, 16 through 17, and it says, You desire not a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. See, God wants our hearts to be clean so that we can serve up his justice with love. We don't want to just be serving justice. We want to serve justice with love. And we can only do that if our hearts are clean. So we have to drop our rules long enough to see that we have garbage too. We have garbage. We do. You and I both. This week, I probably did 20 things that I need to go and talk to God about and be like, God, forgive me. Because I know that I am your light bearer. What people see in me is what they see of you. And am I representing you well? So, God, I repent for all the things that I've done and all the things that are hiding inside of me that don't represent you well. And speaking of that, we don't get, we don't get away with just cleaning out our heart. We, we are called to serve, right? We need to be serving up that justice and love. So who are you serving? Are you serving? I think there's just a few things that God wants to continue to remind us over and over again. It's get in my word. Repent from the things you've done wrong. Love people and serve up justice for me. Those are so important to him. We can't get away with not doing those things. So then he moves on, and I'm going to jump to verse 52. And here's what he says. So religious scholars, judgment will come on you. 
You're supposed to be teachers unlocking the door of knowledge and guiding people through it. But the fact is, you've never even passed through the doorways yourselves. You've taken the key, left the door, locked it tight, and stood in the way of everyone who sought entry. And when I read that, I don't know about you, but I just like had a chill come down my spine. (laughs) Because today, I pray that that would never be us. I pray that would never be me. Lord, may I never lock up the door so that other people can't come in. May I first go through the door. But you know what we have to do to go through the door? We have to unlock our hearts. He keeps re- he's redoing the same thing over and over. It's the same message. Unlock your heart. Unlock your heart. Unlock your heart. Let me clear away those, those things, those blockages that are keeping you from being all that I've called you to be. May our actions never be the reason someone does not get through the doors of heaven. And so may we have the courage to go into that door for ourselves and let God change us. So just going to reiterate, like, the three different examples he used to bring up the same ideas over and over. First, light. You cannot shine bright or live right if there is sin blocking your view. We saw in the picture that you can know the Bible inside and out but never experience the Holy Spirit's transformation for yourself. And in the meantime, you can block other people from getting in that doorway if we don't have a clean heart. And so I would love to sit up here. I, I don't love getting up here and preaching things like, repent, get, in, get down on your knees, repent of your sin. I would love to get up here and preach to you guys about fluffy stuff and kitties and puppies and just go love your neighbor and be happy and everyone be nice. I would so love to do that. But that's not, that's not all of it. God wants us to be clean. He wants our hearts to be pure. So I think today as we're sitting here and we're thinking about all of the things that God may want to clean out of our own lives, I just think, God, we repent of anything that is not of you, whether that be my personal bias my opinions, my tradition, my culture, my upbringing, whether that's sin, whether there's pride, whether there's selfishness. Maybe I've been treating people in my family like garbage. Maybe I've been treating my neighbor like garbage. Maybe you've been hiding things. Maybe you've been looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe you've been listening to things you shouldn't be listening to. Maybe you've been, you've just been, doing something and I don't even know what it is I didn't list it off but in your heart you're going yeah that's there and I know that it's there but I don't want it to be there and God wants to create in you a clean heart and so it's from a pure heart that we can open the door for others that we can shine brightly so I just pray today that God would wipe away any shadowy corners in us so we can serve that justice and love to others And for those of you who maybe are watching and you're going, I don't know if I've ever even allowed God into my heart, but what you're saying resonates to me. I've never let him even in a little bit. And so if that's you and you're saying, I know I have things in my life and I've never allowed Jesus to come into my heart. Well, today could be your very day. And I hope 
I know that my words don't do even a little bit of justice of who Jesus is and how good he is, but I hope that you've heard a little bit of, of hope about who Jesus is and that he can be trusted with your life, and that he wants to guide you, he wants to direct you, he wants to lovingly build you up and strengthen you. But you have to take that moment and say, God, forgive me from being far away from you. I believe in you. I want to follow you. Be my Lord. And if that's you, just raise your hand, either in person or online. You can put a little hand up, or you can fill out a connection card and let us know. We want to walk through this with you. We don't want you to be doing this alone. Because God meant us to live in community. So if that's you, let's do that. But if if you are here and you're, you're saying, I've known Jesus for a long time, but I know I have some business to do with him, um, I just... I think that this last song, this worship song, I already know what they're going to be singing, is a perfect moment for us to reflect and go, God, create a clean heart in me. I don't want to do anything outside of you. I don't want to hide behind fear. I don't want to hide behind sin. I want to be right and I want to shine as bright as I possibly can for you. So I'm going to pray, and then let's take some time and truly, truly ask God to speak with us about what it is that we need to, t to repent from if we need to repent. So God, I just love you so much and I'm so thankful for how good you are. I'm so thankful that you can be trusted with every single part of my heart. There's not one thing in my life or any of our lives that is too big for you to handle or too dirty for you to clean out. There is nothing, Lord, you desire good for us. And I'm so grateful that that is the kind of God that I get to serve. So I just pray, Lord, that you would speak with each and every person and that you would help us to get right before you, not to, not to think about what everybody else needs to clean out, but what we need to clean out so we can be right with you. God, we give this time to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>